0: Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew.
1: This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 14. This is Drew and I'm here with Doug. We're two avgeeks and aviation professionals creating a safe space for other avgeeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation.
0: G'day everyone, especially to those at home like me. Drew, where are we talking to you from?
1: I am on the other side of the world, everyone. One of our listeners, uh, his name is St. Sinner. We'll actually talk about his, um, his review. But uh, he said we were too U.S. focused. So I am currently talking to you from Colombo, Sri Lanka, and it is so far away, Doug. You could go either way from the U.S., and it's about the same distance. So it's completely on the other side of the world. So I think that's far enough. What, what, um,
0: I, yep, what, time, what time is it there?
1: Um, Right now, it's uh, 10.30 in the morning, I think. Um, I'm a little disoriented. Yeah, it's 9.50 in the morning. 9.50.
0: So, I I wanted to point that out. It's 8.20 on the West Coast. So, it's not even an hour difference. Yeah, it's
1: weird how they do that.
0: How they do the 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah, so,
1: I'm here. I'm doing, you know, every year I do a um, trip to get my AvGeek fix, go around the world in different ways and, also get to see some extended family in Sri Lanka. So that that's where I am. And uh, I'll be going to see a soccer match where my nephew's playing. And last year he won and I wasn't there. So we got to wrap this up in about an hour.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, let's talk about the first first part of your trip, though. So how did you get there? Yeah,
1: so just um, backtracking. And by the way, this is all on Next Trip podcast um, on Twitter and with pictures and stuff. So I went from uh, DCA, Washington National, to Newark. Had a three hour connection, Um, I was able to use the Polaris lounge. I was traveling in uh, business class confirmed, which is rare for a non-rev like me, so it was a treat. Um, Had a chance to experience the Newark Polaris Club, had a sit down dinner. I had a shower, if you can believe that, for a three hour connection. I said, I gotta try it. It was, Doug, it was the best decision because I had a 14 hour flight ahead of me.
0: How was that burger though? That burger was delicious. It looked amazing. Uh
1: So, I had to decide, you guys, between lamb, uh, what was it, salmon, or uh, the Polaris burger, which comes with a fried egg, bacon, over the top. And I'm going to India, right? So, it's not a lot of meat. So, I'm like, let me just get, you know, have this American cheeseburger before I have vegetarian food. yeah, so 14-hour flight which was um great Doug. I slept for 6 hours, which is really good for me because I don't sleep on planes because I'm either excited or anxious. But um slept for 6 hours. I was relaxed. Didn't have any jet lag really and um arrived in Delhi and you know, I'm, we're going to talk about Indian aviation, but I was very surprised. It is not what I was expecting, but we'll come to that in a bit.
0: Is it your first time? It's my first time to India. Okay. You oh, know really? I mean? Oh, I, I didn't realize that. Okay.
1: Yeah, you know, Americans have to get a visa. So that's probably the reason I haven't been there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a visa and it's good for five years and now I can go through there. But um, yeah, it was, it, it was a fun trip just getting here. I was in Delhi for three days um, and I traveled with a friend who are, also works for the same company. He's in government affairs and we'll talk about him in a second. I got a really good story to tell you about him and uh, it, it actually related to the podcast
0: what what about last night though the flight last night so you uh, yes, I'm so you it's all like
1: a blur so i may be a little disoriented and scattered when i'm talking to you guys right now it's because i flew here from delhi last night i was supposed to leave delhi at 6:45 and just like all good good geeks. i'm checking flight radar 24 to see where my plane is the plane takes off from colombo it's supposed to be in delhi at 5:30 for 6 6- 35 departure back to Colombo. And I'm watching it. The plane makes a sharp right turn and it's heading due east. So it diverted. It diverted to the city called Lucknow, India. And um, there was a lot of traffic and there was a freak thunderstorm. So that plane went to Lucknow and it was there for a long time. I'd say like three and a half hours. I was really getting concerned that the crew would time out. But uh, no, it made it to Delhi. We didn't leave. We're supposed to leave at 6.30, probably left at 11.30. And the crew was great. You, you couldn't tell that, you know, they had already flown for, what, six hours or something with that diversion. Um, nice flight to Colombo and uh, Doug. So this is how a three-hour flight is regionally on Sri Lankan Airlines. You get a hot towel. You get flight attendants decked out, you know, in beautiful saris.
0: You get a... F- full meal but and, but, but yeah why, why did you why did you get that hot towel where why you, did i get the hot towel yeah, did did you board to the left or did you board to the right <laughs> oh i boarded to the left so here's so <laughs> the dollar goes a long way
1: in the rest of the world most of the world everyone so i upgraded from economy to their business class for 100 bucks um, not a lot of people traveling in a premium cabin on that route. It's a regional route. So people don't even want to spend that much cause it's a three hour flight. But, um, yeah, a hundred dollars, it was totally worth it. You know, if only for that meal and the service and I was so relaxed. So, the, so it was a great
0: flight. The cool, the coolest part is he bid for it. So it wasn't a, a necessarily a purchased upgrade you, you put in yeah. a, a bid. What was the starting bid? I'm curious because mo- most, most airlines, um, don't do that. Yeah.
1: So the starting bid was 80. So I bid 80. So then, you know, they play this game with you. So they send you an email, Hey, we're reviewing upgrades. If you'd like to bid more for a better chance. And of course I thought a lot of people would bid the lowest. So I bid an extra $10. Um, and then I got, it's like, Oh, it's probably because I bid $10 more, but you get on the plane and there's still a couple seats open. So I would have mm-hmm. gotten it for eighty dollars. Yeah.
0: but I I like they started at eighty because uh, the the only time I've been on an airline where you can bid for the upgrade was um, last spring. I was on Caribbean from Trinidad to uh, to New York. The starting bid was like three hundred bucks for a I five like- five hour flight in an old domestic domestic style first class seven thirty seven.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, and this is. Um- this flight was supposed to be on an A321neo, Doug. And because of COVID-19, I guess we're calling it that now, um, it was upgraded to an a 33300 because those planes normally go to China and Sri Lankan has reduced their China service by at least half. So that was a treat to get an a 330 on that flight because it would have been an A321. And I, I wouldn't have upgraded on an aero body, but for a lie flat seat, on a wide body a330 i was totally worth it
0: yeah but now i'm um, going
1: long on this we got we got
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a, no it's it's good you, you guys have to go check out his pictures um looked look pretty awesome Drew Oh, Doug, one more thing one yeah. more thing
1: before we leave that i have to mention and hopefully airline people are er, executives are listening you have to have a tail or a nose cam did you see my video of the landing
0: i did yeah
1: oh my goodness you know, it's like, it's as good as being in the cockpit. So go on next to podcast. You can see the landing in Colombo is really smooth landing. Um, and to be able to see that. So even if you don't have a window seat, you can feel connected to the flying experience. It was awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Air- that's it. Airbus <laughs> Airbus does really well with that. Um, I'll, I'll give it to them for that. But so Drew Drew's in India. Um, and like the feedback that he mentioned that we're going to talk about later, we're trying not to be as U S focused, um, or sorry, he's not in India. He's in Sri Lanka. He wasn't India. So because of that, we're going to focus a lot of the discussion on the Indian subcontinent today, um, in part because of where, where he is. So first topic is air India's possible sale, um, which would basically take it private. So right now it's, um, majority owned, um, fully owned by the, by the, the state government. I, I can't remember what. I think what, it's fully owned. Fully owned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so initially, the Indian government set February 11th as a deadline for investors to seek clarification. So that's where we kind of learn who was interested in, in possibly buying or India. But they shifted that date to March 6th, um, which most people in the industry now are saying that that could draw the privatization into fiscal year 2021 um just even that couple week couple weeks shift. So my question is for you Drew, Air India has been a mess for a really long time. Um and now the sale is is kind of turning into a mess as well. So what what does the future kind of hold?
1: Yeah, you know, within a mess there's a lot of opportunity with Air India, you know, that has a huge legacy and the slots that they have around the world are are you could say they are prices i mean who who can have so many slots into london heathrow you know just like that and that's what you could have with a, with buying air india now here's something that's interesting so there's um not confirmed but there's talk about the tata group buying air india and the tatas this is a, an industrial family in india they used to control air india hmm. before it became um what's the word not privatized but before it became government owned and looking back you know in researching this so in the 60s air india was considered like a top notch airline they used to fly from new york to london on the way to india and passengers would choose them over british airways because the service was so good so the tata's actually ran air india until 1977 and then it was completely run by the government and service levels went down and now it's not seen as one of the world's best airlines in fact it's um uh, it's one that you may want to avoid, but you know there's still a nas- a lot of national pride with Air India, and I'll talk about that when we talk about, um, you know the um how travel has increased in India and some conversation I had with uh, some Indians when I was there. So there's still a lot of national pride and hope that that airline will do better. Yeah, you know, with-
0: good. Well, I I was just going to say, um, Vistara is possibly looking at um, buying them as well. Yeah, Well, the Tata
1: Group owns part of Vistara. Oh, do they? So okay. Yeah. And Vistara is a combination, they it's um the Tata family, the Tata Group and Singapore Airlines. Hmm. <clears throat> so, and Vistara already has their own airline. They're starting to get 787s seven, to fly internationally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, this would be a quick organic growth of that product. So, we'll see, but um Lots of opportunity, you know. There's a lot of people flying to India, so these carriers—Sri Lankan Airlines, Emirates, Qatar—they're making so much money flying people to and from India. So there's huge opportunity.
0: Yeah, staying with Fasara though, um, United this week announced that they're launching a code share agreement with Vistara. Um Details on this: yeah. it will uh, be 26 Indian destinations, um, and then code sharing on 20 flights. Not a not entirely sure how that is going to work out 26 destinations and only 20 flights, but I'm wondering, so air India is a star Alliance carrier. Yep. They they are a partner with United. So I'm wondering if this is United possibly hedging their bets against an air India collapse.
1: Yeah. Or maybe there's something they know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. Um, So we talked about, Doug, in earlier episodes, and for those of you listening, we talked about this Aviation Center of Gravity, which is um, an IATA study that had the Aviation Center of Gravity. In 2004, it was over the North Atlantic, closer to uh, Europe, with Frankfurt, London, Paris being the big connection cities and growth in passengers. Right now, it's the Middle East. In the next 10 years, it's supposed to move to India and China. So we have a little road bump right now with COVID-19 right? But half of the growth in aviation in the next two decades is going to happen in those two countries, India and China. Um, so interesting story. And this is such a coincidence. And it's such a small world, Doug. So the person I traveled to India with, Chathan, he works for the, our company, he's in government affairs. So I told him about our podcast, and I talked to him about the center of gravity of aviation and how you and I talked about it on the podcast. So he's listening to me and he has this look in his face, you know, this knowing look. And, you know, after I'm done regaling him about our podcast in the center of gravity, he goes, I actually wrote that article. No way. That <laughs> was such a small world. So he used to work for Ayada before he moved to the airlines and he actually did this study. It's so weird.
0: So anyway, that's the person I traveled to India with. No, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, just the, the growth in that region, especially China. Um, I, I, I feel like India kind of blew up probably 10 years ago or, or started to. And then yeah. I, I think China probably was a little bit farther behind. So China's farther east than India. So as China continues to grow, yeah, that center of gravity is, is definitely going to start to shift. But um, I, really the last decade, decade and a half, kind of since the, the big financial crisis, there's been this huge worldwide market growth, which is fueling the middle class. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're not economists. We're not trying to get into any sort of demographic discussion here, but as the middle class continues to grow, as, as people start to have the ability to then travel, India yeah. and China are two of the biggest markets. Um, I think we talked about it on a, a previous show, Something like 300 million people a year right now in China are flying Mm -hmm. for the the first time. For the first time. That is just shy of the population of the United States. I mean, that is a mind-boggling number that just shows... It's mind-boggling. First of all, how many people are in China, but how many people are traveling for the first time? For the first time. Yeah. So
1: let's fast forward. So I'm going to go out of order because we were going to talk in depth about India and South Asian market, let's just talk about it now, because you yeah. are talking about the middle class. The middle, do you know what the population of the middle class in India is? Probably like 600 million. 300 million, okay. which is like the population of the whole US, that's just their middle class. And when I was with uh, Chaithan, my friend, we met his cousin and uh, his wife, and we're sitting there and they're both, let's say upper middle class, they're comfortable, they travel like we do. They travel all the time and they have a choice of airlines. Mm-hmm. So I got to listen to what is their favorite. They love um, they love how uh, consistent indi- um, Indigo. Yeah, mm-hmm. they love the consistency of Indigo because they said every it's fair because they don't have a mileage program. They don't have first class economy. And yeah, they just like how democratic it is. <laughs> Yeah. Um they don't really say bad things about Air India because there is that national pride so they they kind of tolerate, you know, little problems with it. Um they like Vistara. So those are the three we talked about. Did they talk about Jet at all? They did not talk about Jet. Interesting. Yeah, Jet shut down last yeah. year. So no, they didn't talk about Jet. Huh. Um but they do like flying the foreign carriers. So they, yeah. you know, I I work for United. They do like flying United and British Airways because I think it's kind of You know, when we're flying Singapore Airlines, it's kind of cool because it's so international. So for them, that would be flying British Airways or United. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, Anyway, so arrived in Delhi. Not what I expected. They have a magnificent airport. I mean, it's more modern than most of the airports we have in the U.S. It's huge. There's no crowding. Um, The gates are already full. So they have no problem, you know, filling the place with airplanes already. I was in China last year at their Beijing International Airport which was magnificent and this was the airport they were closing because they were moving to a better one and I was like why yeah you know so um, they're spending a lot of money it's like if you can imagine the US in the 60s when they were building these great airports you know Kennedy Chicago Dallas Fort Worth that's what China and India are going through right now you know that's exactly what they're going through right now. So it's amazing growth. It's really exciting. Just like you said, these people are traveling for the first time. And, you know, we were talking about the upper middle class. Even the people that are of lesser means, they have access to it because the fares are cheap. You can mm-hmm. fly from one city in India to another for like $50. So it is accessible to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a lot faster than the trains too. Um, I know that oh, yeah. tra- train train travel in India is is a huge thing, but... It's so um, it's o- overnight, a-, a lot of times going from some of these cities.
1: Yeah. And the roads, you know, if you're driving, it's not easy yet. You know, they're building these trunk freeways, but
0: oh, yeah. the airplane makes
1: it so much easier. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. Uh, in, in places of the world where infrastructure isn't quite as developed, air travel is what makes it easy to be able to move from, from place to place. And, um, definitely with all these new entrants, like, like you talked about Indigo and Vistara, um, it's, it's done nothing but good things for that market. So that's, that's awesome to see. Um, yeah, India, probably. India has always been very high on, on my list of places that, that I want to go visit. So, um, oh, you'd love it. You know, they tell you, you know, stories about how you'll get sick
1: and the pollution is really bad. You know, I didn't get sick and I ate everything that and could I'm happen anywhere paper. though. That can happen anywhere, you just have to be careful.
0: I've gotten food poisoning in the United States a couple times before. I mean, yeah. I I've, I've never I've, I've actually never gotten it overseas. Yeah. And I I'm I'm pretty adventuresome when it comes to uh what I'm what I'm willing to, to do and and to eat, and I've I've never had issues with it.
1: Yeah, you just have to be careful just like any place else. All right, now I went out of order, so do you want to go back to um, Yeah, we'll World we'll America? jump back so
0: we're we're talking about the region. Um this isn't necessarily the Indian subcontinent, but it's kind of that South Asia region of the world. Um, we've been talking about American a lot recently in, in positive terms. Um, mm-hmm. I know that, that uh, some people have kind of criticized some of the things that we've said about them uh, about American. But <laughs> oh yeah. They have. We're, uh, we're, we're trying to be positive here guys. So, um, yeah, cause we have a Delta and United
1: focus and we're bringing in our friends at American. Yeah. Terms.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, um, we we love everyone. Come on, come we on. We love guys. everyone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, i really do. But anyways, Americans, so they're they're making a lot of lot of waves. I know we talked about um their new Alaska partnership and um and uh and all that. But Qatar. So Qatar is in one world, Americans in one world as well. They code shared until sometime in 2017, and then uh American and and Qatar kinda had a, a big falling out. Um a lot of it I think was l baker and and his um disdain i guess you could say for some of the positions that u.s carriers were taking with the protectionism yeah, talk protectionism. and all that um, mm-hmm. so the the relationship kind of soured to the point where qatar had talked about even possibly leaving one world at that point they stayed in one world things kind of got a little bit better but now american uh recently so in in the last couple days announced that they're going to start their co-chair again with qatar they're calling it a strategic partnership so Mm -hmm. i language maybe that 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 means a little bit more than just a simple co-chair who knows but um pending approval american and and qatar are starting their partnership again in fact i I even heard that american is possibly exploring their own doha service so using wow. Amer- American metal. Um, and really, I, I... Qatar is the only one that's in an alliance, right? Correct. Between Etihad and correct. Uh, yeah,
1: Emirates. They're not, yeah. not in any alliance.
0: No, I know Emirates has has a lot of partners um, around the world, just, just different airline partners. But yeah, Qatar is the only one who's actually in an alliance. But I see this as American is kind of weak in that region of the world. Mm. Um, yeah, they are especially into India and the, the ME3, that is a huge part of their business model is funneling people from anywhere really west of the Middle East. So Europe, North yeah. America, Africa even, funneling them into India and that region of the world. So by yeah. American having this, um, this code, code share, new co-chair partnership it's a way that they are able to enter the Indian market without possibly having to use some of their own metal. Now, I know yeah. we talked about it last week. They are announcing, um, service from Seattle to Bangalore. Seattle to
1: Bangalore. So, so weird.
0: yeah. So, so they are using some of their own metal there or, or will be. But, um, I think this, this new co-chair is a way for American to really kind of open up that, that area of the world, not even necessary, necessarily India, Think about East Africa as well because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really right. easy and quick connection, connection from there. You don't have to backtrack too terribly much. So, I, And I all of the Middle East, all those smaller cities in the Middle East that they exactly. can connect people to. Yeah, exactly. I, I I think this would be a good thing.
1: Yeah, you know, people tend to be, you know, the airlines tend to be more nice, nice when the economy is contracting and everyone could use a friend. Yeah. <laughs> or more connecting passengers. Yeah yeah so um all right can i talk about trans states real quick yeah yeah, i gotta give a shout out to trans states yeah all right here's our u.s i'm sorry saint senator but here's our u.s focus but it'll just take me 30 seconds and one of the reasons is because one of my best friends this was his first airline that he worked for yeah we talked about neil doug yeah so this was his first airline that he worked for so real quick trans states Um, is shutting down it started in missouri in 1982 it was originally called resort air before changing its name to be similar to its partner trans world airlines so they have 40 Embraer 145s they are citing a pilot shortage and united express airline consolidations as the reason so that division is shutting down however trans states holdings still exists and they own compass which flies for american And, and
0: and delta as well really okay yeah i was actually just on a compass um 175 last week from la to sacramento let me ask you a quick
1: question was it decked out in american or delta interior delta delta
0: interior but the the really cool thing about compass is they were started by northwest back in the mid 2000s um they Hmm. were they were wholly owned by northwest and then they they got spun off after the delta northwest merger but the cool thing is their logo is still the Northwest um, compass. Oh, no. Okay. The, really? The, exactly yeah. like what
1: you have on your T-shirt? Not, no.
0: So so what's on my T-shirt is the like mid-90s Northwest logo. So okay. Northwest's final logo before the merger, where it was the little semicircle with the, yeah. the compass pointing to the Northwest. So they're um, emergency cards on the airplanes. Mm-hmm. Say Compass Airlines, and they have that Northwest. Oh no way! That's Compass cool. on it. Okay, I gotta well. Google that I'm right after this episode because. Uh, yeah, I can't I, they would actually, keep I, um, I'll I'll tweet it out because I I took a picture of it um, last time I flew them because <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. But I've, flown, I've flown Compass on American Eagle and uh, Delta Connection, and they're uh-huh. decked out in the respective airline.
1: Oh, uh, that's cool um all right the other one they own doug is gojet which flies for united does gojet fly for anyone else that you know
0: uh i'm not sure i would would have to look
1: okay now the 145s the trans states has are going to ExpressJet, which is another united express carrier now here's something that's interesting those are going to be updated with wi-fi in full-on united interiors yeah i saw that so you know the 145 is the smallest Airplane in the express fleet.
0: I would I rather. I many. would rather. I would rather fly that over a CRJ two hundred though. Really? Yeah. CRJ two hundred's wider though. It is, but it's two two seating on the the mm. one thirty five. You have that single seat on the uh, on the left side.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll I'm I'm not a fan of the one forty five. I mean, we'll see if changing the curtains and the
0: carpet makes a difference. But bigger bigger know, windows too. Bigger windows and the the CRJ the CRJ two hundred. The windows are are down by your hip. So okay. if if you want to look out the window you kind of have to duck down. The uh the 145 has the same windows as the ERJ 170 and the 175 those big really nice big windows.
1: Okay. All right. I mean my, my
0: minor minor Abby <laughs> problems here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um all right, so let's get back on track and um you can talk about the virus this time. It's usually me.
0: Yeah, um, so COVID-19, um, initially we weren't even going to talk about it this week because it seems like it's eaten up the majority of our discussion last couple of weeks. But yeah, as we've said with every week, it seems like there are just so many developments that come up since the last time that we recorded. Um, so first of all, we're not trying to start a panic. We're not trying to spread any misinformation. We're literally just talking about this from an airline operations perspective because it has very far-reaching implications um in fact like we said drew's in asia right now he went there knowing that this thing is spreading worldwide uh we've got a a possible avgeek trip coming up uh, which we'll talk about next week uh in the next like 10 (laughs) 13 days whatever it is now um so that's that's where we're going to start we're talking about this from an aviation perspective
1: um no it's you know non-revving in the age of coronavirus i guess will be our next episode <laughs> yeah. so uh, just a quick recap we won't spend a lot of the episode talking about this but quick recap president trump announced on saturday travel restrictions to certain areas of italy now one wouldn't think about europe but it's spreading in europe starting in italy um travel restrictions to italy south
0: korea and japan uh yeah and i, I ran as well um the South Korea thing, that's really blown up in the last week, week and a half. Um, they're, they're at over 3,000 cases now. Oh, wow. Um, huh. Now, one before we get into the, the airline aspect of this, one positive note that, that we saw this week is that the cases have stabilized in China. In fact, it looks like they may have possibly plateaued. Um, Starbucks reopened. I don't know if you saw hmm. that. Um, yeah. I read an article saying that Marriott is reopening a lot of a lot of the hotels and production lines and everything are are starting to get back on track. So hopefully that's a good sign that some of these other places like Italy and South Korea that are kind of going through initially what China went through about a month, month and a half ago, hopefully we kind of can see an, not necessarily an end in sight, but we know that it can get to a place where it can plateau.
1: Okay. So this is a good segue. So, When I was at the club, I had a lot of time to talk to people and work on this podcast. So that was a good part of the delay, uh, leaving Delhi. So there was some, Japan Airlines was in that club too, because they were delayed too, because I guess their plane diverted someplace also.
0: Hmm.
1: So all these Japanese people, only one is wearing a mask, which I thought was nice, because I don't like the mask. I don't think it does anything. So I started talking to this Japanese lady and... You know i was telling her we might be considering that as a non-rev destination we don't know for sure how does she feel about how it is in in tokyo or people wearing masks and she said no they're not and she feels she asked me when we were traveling and i said should be march around march 14th and she says oh march 14th she said by then she thinks it's going to start going down because it gets warmer so (laughs) yeah she's not next. she's not a doctor or anything but the reason I'm telling the story is the Japanese aren't freaking out and they're, at least from her perspective, they think it's going to start waning. And he- here's another thing. You know, you live in California. There's an outbreak there. Yeah, today, in, my count- in my county. In your county, right? Yeah. And you just told me that someone died in the D.C. area. Uh, this is No, I mean, wa- Was- Washington State. Washington State. Yeah. Okay. So I've heard of cases in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, this is just happening now. So, you know, in a weird way. If it's happening all over the world, maybe people will just, maybe the travel restrictions will go away and then everyone will just just go back to normal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wash wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Wash your hands, cover your cough
1: with your elbow, not your hand. If you could just do those two things, that'll reduce the spread. Yeah, absolutely. Even the flu.
0: Right. Speaking, of, speaking of Japan, though, um, United announced this week that they're trimming Japan uh, and other Asia cities. So LAX, uh, Houston, Chicago to Narita are canceled until the end of April at this point. Um, they're reducing frequency from Newark to uh, to Narita. Uh, they're down gauging uh, some of the Singapore and Taipei flights, uh, Osaka as well. So... Um, Again, the airlines are saying it's not because of the health implications necessarily. It's more because of a lack of demand. Mm. Because just pe- because people are lack of demand. They're, they're reading and hearing about this hysteria and they're not wanting to go in, and travel. And so the airlines are uh, are responding because of this. Um, in fact, yeah. United announced this week that they're offering some of their their long-haul pilots a month off at reduced pay if yeah. if they if they choose to take that so um, that's concerning yeah exactly um delta also is trimming korea and they canceled um minneapolis to seoul um and i think they're going down to like five weekly on detroit um seattle and atlanta to seoul so okay. um it's it's far reaching
1: yeah I mean, every week we hear about new cancellations and something that you wouldn't expect. American is suspending service to Milan. So now it's not isolated to Asia. We're seeing these other routes being cut due to people just don't want to travel in general internationally. so hopefully that's not the trend. We'll see. I mean, definitely doug and I are will still be traveling. I'm traveling yep. right now, and I'm fine. yeah, So we'll see. But one little um, aside, so on this flight on Sri Lankan, from Delhi to here. So the crew was they were all wearing masks. I saw and that. I just yeah. think it's a little an overreaction on their part. But just talking to them, they said crew scheduling is a nightmare right now in Sri Lanka because some countries are saying that if you've overnighted in China, Singapore, Hong Kong, you can't fly to their country. Mm-hmm. So for example, a crew that's flies to Singapore, they can't fly to perhaps London you know, cause they've been to one of those countries. So it's making crew scheduling a nightmare for some airlines.
0: Yeah, I bet. Oh man. All right. Well, should we do a positive topic?
1: Yeah. Let's talk about where we're, people are making money,
0: right? Yeah. Um, okay. So you flew from Newark to New Delhi or to New yeah. Delhi, New Delhi airport. Um, you flew over the ocean, flew over the airport. Atlantic. What time is yeah. your, what time is your departure? uh departed at eight thirty p.m p.m right yeah so you were flying overnight so i i get a lot of questions from people about what it's like flying long haul um at it as a pilot but also what it's like flying over the ocean so drew and i thought that our ops topic this week could be kind of from that perspective um so just yeah, what to, are you guys doing in there the whole time? Uh, sleeping? No, I'm. I'm no, I'm no. <laughs> um, well, it's so flying flying over the oceans. It's completely different than flying stateside or in Europe because when you're when you're flying over land, the majority of it, I, I say, because there are parts parts of like Canada where they don't have radar coverage or um, really radio coverage but when you're flying in the the US or in Europe or in in most parts of the world, you're under radar surveillance. So ATC can see you, you're talking on, on normal radios. So very high frequency VHF radios. When you fly over the ocean, there's no radar. No one can Uh see where you're at and we have Mm -hmm. to use high frequency communication, which is very difficult to talk on, very difficult to understand because you're flying over the ocean. Now, I will say most airplanes now have satellite systems um, that we're able to text and the airplanes actually send pings, send signals to ATC every several seconds up to a couple minutes just based on what part of the world you're in. So ATC okay. is, is able to kind of see the, where those pings are, but because we're flying over the ocean and, and not a lot of radio or radar coverage, you're kind of out there on your own.
1: So this is something I don't understand because with GPS, why wouldn't we be able to see exactly where everyone is? Why is it such, you know, why is there a, a lapse in, you know, in
0: that's, visibility? That's a, that's a great question. And I, I know we talked about this on our decade in review because we talked about the, um, the Malaysian airplane, um, yeah. and that went missing. Um, no, that's, that's a, that's a great question. I, it really just comes down to the infrastructure of, of, the satellite system what's built into the airplanes and, and what they can see so mm. um as long as the systems are operating we are sending information to etc and they're then able to see us near real time but based on just these inputs that they get so they don't have it on a on a radar scope so it's not like they can see yeah. where, where the airplanes are necessarily yeah that's unbelievable so there are these systems that go in there so the North Atlantic airspace, so from the east coast of the US to Europe, is the busiest and most congested oceanic airspace in the world. And I, I encourage you guys at some some point during the East Coast night or the European very early morning, go on flight radar 24, go on flight aware and just look at the North Atlantic, and it is insane the number of airplanes that are packed into this very tight airspace. So we have these procedures that we have to follow where um, we have to be exactly on our airspeed. We have to be exactly on all of the parameters. And if we're more than two minutes outside of that, we have to let ATC know via either text or a high-frequency radio call to tell them because it's this, this finely coordinated um dance if you will of yeah. all these airplanes that are flying with synchronized radar, swimming synchron exactly without radar coverage flying over the ocean so you're you're asking what we do um a lot of monitoring a lot of making sure that we're at the exact point that we need to be keeping mm-hmm. up with our timing keeping up with our speed because the winds shift so we 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 give an estimate for every 10 degrees of longitude. So the world is broken up into latitude and longitude. So every 10 degrees of longitude, we give a new position report. So every How often
1: are you talking? How often are you talking to someone? uh, 45
0: minutes. Every 45 45 minutes, minutes. roughly. Yeah, that's about what it takes to fly 10 degrees at those latitudes is 45 minutes. So every 45 minutes, we give a position report either via voice on the high frequency radio or we can text it in if their airplanes are quoted that and you basically say where you're at the time at that point and then what your next point is your estimate of of time to get to that next point and then your follow-on points oh and, wow, and your so and your altitude, altitude and airspeed yeah okay no it's now it's, are you
1: following the same tracks as the airlines yeah mm-hmm. okay
0: yeah yeah they're, they're called nat tracks north atlantic tracks um it's a system of tracks developed actually by Gander. Um, in, uh, it's actually, excuse me, jointly between Gander and Shannon. So Gander in Canada and Shannon in Ireland design these tracks and they change every night based on winds and weather because they try and maximize that eastbound time in the jet stream because it shortens the flight time. And then they try and minimize the time in the jet stream for the northbound. So again, if you look at the map, a lot of times you'll see the eastbound flow further to the south. So they'll coast out over Newfoundland, meaning they'll they'll go oceanic just to the east of Newfoundland, and then they'll coast in over Ireland or western England. Uh, And then on the return leg, they usually go farther north. Um, They'll coast out pretty far north of Ireland, or or maybe sometimes northern Ireland, um, fly up sometimes over Greenland, or a lot of times over Greenland, and then down... Um, over Northern Canada and that's just to stay out of that, that headwind, which usually tends to be a little bit farther to the South.
1: You know, it's, it's not normally what the routing is not normally what, how you would imagine it for some of these. So going from Newark to Delhi, I thought we would go close to the North pole.
0: Yeah. But no, we were
1: following basically a transatlantic routing. So we were yeah, north I, of, actually,
0: I, I stalked your flight and I looked at the tracks that night. You guys were just yeah. north of the farthest north track. So you weren't okay. on yep. one, one of the tracks, but you were um, you were about 60 miles north. So you, you were pretty close to that. Um, yeah, we
1: went right over Stockholm and Moscow.
0: Yeah, it, 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 a lot of times you might go the polar route. So up yeah. over the top. But the, the, the route planners have these algorithms and these systems, um, they can put your departure airport and your arrival airport and basically hit a a calculate button. And the system is able to look at the weather, the winds, uh, airspace restrictions, et cetera. And it comes up with the most efficient route of flight, efficient, meaning both a measure of time and fuel burned. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you you have a trade-off. Um, you may burn less fuel, but spend more time based on being in the winds. So they, they kind of have to figure that out, but you could look at your uh, Newark to Delhi flight for the last 10 days and yeah. probably didn't take anywhere close to the same flight path on any, any of those days, just based on oh, because of the jet stream. Yeah. The jet stream um, based on, on all of that. So it's, it's pretty fascinating.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have a solution to, uh, you know, the issues with the visibility over the Atlantic and stuff. Everyone just get the f- radar, flight radar 24 app. Everyone
0: knows where you, everyone is. <laughs> yeah. but it seems more accurate than what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's very true. But a lot of that's actually estimated position just based on some of the data that's coming in.
1: Right. You know, flight radar 24, I was on flight radar 24 seeing where my plane was because it diverted. So I come up to the counter and the guy, little guy that's working the counter, he's not talking to his manager about where the flight is. He's also on Flight Radar twenty four. <laughs> we're looking awesome. at the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we don't Flight Radar twenty four is not paying us for this, but thank you for the service you provide to app Geeks and for airline counter agents, apparently.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's awesome. All right, uh, let's move on to, uh, to the final, final topic of today. So OAG, who's an aviation data firm, released their list of the highest grossing routes in the world, uh, not necessarily in the last year. So this is from April 2018 to March 2019. Some of these were expected, and some of them were kind of surprising. We'll save our editorial until the end. So, Drew, number 10.
1: Yep, number 10 is Air Canada, Toronto to Vancouver at $541 million.
0: Number nine, Singapore Airlines from Singapore to Sydney.
1: Number eight, we have Cathay Pacific, Hong Kong to London, Heathrow.
0: Number seven, Qatar from Doha to Heathrow. Uh, Number six, American from Los Angeles to New York, JFK. Number five, United, Newark to San Fran. Number four, Singapore Airlines from Singapore to Heathrow. Uh, Number three, Emirates, Dubai to Heathrow. Number four. Four,
1: uh, I'm sorry, um, we're number two, right? Number
0: two, Qantas from Melbourne to Sydney. And number one, British Airways from JFK to Heathrow, and this one made a billion dollars. Oh, my goodness. All right, so what are your thoughts?
1: Well, so I'm just looking at this again right now. Heathrow is in here. One, two, three, four, five. Half the flights are to or from Heathrow. So back to our Air India discussion, they have all these slots in Heathrow. And he throws such a draw, so just for that, that'd be a good buy. So, and the other thing, Doug, that um, struck me as interesting is Melbourne to Sydney. I know that's that's, the that's crazy. Most
0: that's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, so crazy, and it's four airlines that uh, fly that: Tiger, uh, Virgin, Qantas, and one more that I'm forgetting. Jetstar. Right
0: Jetstar. But Jetstar is, um, they're Qantas, I believe owned... Oh really? Yeah, I I think they're part of the, the Qantas group.
1: Uh, so that's like Qantas. That's their low fare. Yeah, career.
0: yeah. So hey, shout but, out to all
1: of our Australian listeners. Thank you. See, we're talking about Australia, so we're not U.S. focused.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I am going to be U.S. focused on on kind of my takeaway or, or surprise from this one. Um, okay, is the L.A. to J.F.K. or L.A. to New York routing
1: okay. American
0: was was on this list. Delta and United or not and yeah. that's kind of that's surprising to me that American is able to get the yields on that route and uh amer and uh united and Delta can't because that is a huge, huge premium route in in the United states lie lie flats up front better service in the back. I mean that that's that's big. So the fact that American is able to get the yields, I'm wondering if part of it, so they run their A321 Ts, they call them for TransCon, which Uh actually has a first class cabin and a business class cabin. Yeah. So so maybe more product. I'm wondering if that's what it is, if they're able to get the yields because of that that first class cabin, whereas yeah, and United, I wonder
1: if they, I wonder if they have that consistent product because I can tell you United, you could be on a seven eight seven ten or a seven fifty seven.
0: I think it's a hundred, a hundred uh-huh. percent these three twenty one Ts.
1: Interesting. All right, we'll have to look at that. We'll have to Google that and see what
0: that looks like because we don't fly American. We gotta, we gotta fly American just to see what it's all about. I, I actually fly them quite a bit. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I don't think I have since we started the podcast. But um, I'm. Yeah, I've. I've got a couple bookings coming up in the next couple weeks, so we'll. Uh, we can talk about that. Yeah. But, um. All right. Well, I apologize. We've gone. We've gone longer on this episode than uh, I think we had. We had hoped, but too much to talk about. So we're, we're going to finish on a, a positive note here. So we received another five star review on uh, I believe it is Apple Podcast again this week. So Saint Center was the person who sent this in. I know Drew talked about him earlier and they said, this podcast has really become my weekly version of the layovers podcast. Working frontline in the air for an airline from Switzerland and being German, I wish some of the topics would not be so US centered, but that's the only down point. Even for me, it's highly informative and I can still learn things. This is especially true when it comes to operational topics, as the distance between the people who work in the plane and the ones who tell you where the plane is going is very big. Therefore, I'm extremely mm-hmm. thankful that you guys also help foster the understanding between different departments of an airline. Truly hope that you'll get to do hundreds more episodes in the future, continue the great work. That's that's yeah. awesome feedback. Thank you very much. Hopefully we will yeah. get hundreds of more episodes. Well, yeah, you know, Doug, even
1: this this is like the you know, the second or third time that people are mentioning that they like hearing the operational stuff. Yeah. So for us, for you and me, it's like mundane. That's like, that's our normal work day. But you know, I guess if I didn't work here, the stuff that you and I do would be really interesting. So we'll continue to add that. Um, so, uh, let's wrap up everyone. Let's, um, before we wrap up, let's talk about our next trips.
0: Yeah. Um, I will wait to talk about my next trip until next week because we've got one more recording before I fly next, but, 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 and Drew knows this. I'm yeah. booked on oh, an a. Yeah. Oh, I'm booked on an A220. You were asking me. Oh, you me, guys. You asked me why Greg i haven't talking
1: been. about this. It's in May, and he's he's excited about his A220, and I'm a little jealous too. I may have to crash that flight, you know, and be with be on that flight with him. But
0: yeah, yeah, for, he's excited about it. For those that don't remember, I was I was booked on one um, in April as well, but it got switched out to an ERJ 175. So I go into my app almost daily to check to make sure that it is still. An A220.
1: Yeah, it'll probably stay an A220 this time. I mean, what are the odds?
0: All right, what's yours?
1: All right, my next trip is my trip home from Asia. So I'll be flying from Colombo to London, confirmed in business class. What a treat. You know, let me pinch myself. Um, It's another A330-300, which are very uh, nice as I experienced coming here. And then in London, I'm going to be back to my real world of non-riving. So I will be seeing which flight. From London Heathrow to the U.S. has seats. Right now, uh, London back home to Dulles looks good. So what could go wrong, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just follow us on Next Trip Podcast. And um, for all my trips, like I just put in um, a uh, thing with a video of the landing in Colombo and some pictures from the flight. So take a look at that. And then when I travel uh, in about three days, I'll have that whole trip on uh, Next Trip Podcast too.
0: Thanks everyone for joining us again this week. We know that you have your choice of podcasts and we appreciate you choosing the next trip. This has been boarding pass 14 until the next trip. This has been the next trip podcast. Find us on Twitter at next trip podcast or OfficerWayfinder.com slash podcast.